Good evening, everybody. What is going on? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. The title of this podcast is Epstein Didn't Kill Himself. <laughs> Probably should not be saying that in public out loud, but uh, it's really not going to have a whole lot to do with this. But uh, <laughs> it's been a running joke for uh, me and the, uh, I think probably have about 2,500 uh, followers on Facebook that uh, have been uh, either dying laughing at what I've been posting or have been like sick and tired of me posting all of these Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself memes. And uh, for me, like, I find them hilarious. Like, I have been laughing out loud more times than not whenever uh, I come across one. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not the case for everybody. There's one guy that uh, threatened to uh, quote unquote snooze me for 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I guess, I guess that means that it, uh, if he clicks a button, then he won't see my post for 30 days or something like that. So, which is fine. Yeah, if you're, if you don't like what I'm posting, then uh, you know, snooze ahead, I guess. But, uh, anyways, uh, it's been fun because over the last uh, four or five days, I've gotten like probably 20 or 30 different people routinely sending me these memes, and uh, my gosh, they're hilarious. Um, and if you know me, if you follow me on Facebook. Uh, I like, uh, um, you know, things are, they're hilarious and I like sharing them. So, uh, throughout the day, I'll, uh, if you follow me, I'll have a constant stream of, uh, G or PG rated, uh, memes or GIFs, uh, that'll go through your feed and, uh, a good time will be had by all. So anyways, with all that to say, um, Excuse me, I wanted to, uh, oh yeah, I guess before I started, uh, I got a question from Mike in Colorado about the uh, podcast last night asking what a buyback is and like what the, uh, you know, why they call it a buyback and everything. So I wanted to address that for a second. So Mike, a uh, buyback is literally a baseball card, a card company has quote unquote bought back. Uh, I don't think they necessarily would go to the trouble of finding a collector and say, okay, we're, we're going to, uh, um, just for example, there's a 1994 Donruss, uh, Jose Canseco buyback numbered out of eight right now on eBay. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, I highly doubt that Donruss said, okay, we need to find eight of these, uh, 94 Donruss Canseco's, uh, when you find a uh, collector that, you know, has them or something. I, I think probably what they did is they just, uh, you know, they might have very well bought a bunch of uh, Donner's cards uh, from eBay or even from one of their employees. Um, you know, they don't really specify where they come from. But that's the great thing about junk wax uh, is that there are millions of them. So it really kind of can come from anywhere. I mean, shoot, the uh, actual makers of Donner's probably have... Uh, cases of this stuff uh, in their basements, even still, uh, even though Donruss isn't really around, at least since that uh, form as it was before. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's that's basically the gist of it. I mean, they uh, they're trying to they're trying to say that uh, um, you know when you open a pack and you get a card from a previous release, you know that would be a buyback. So, um, and another interesting uh, thing that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, is I believe about two years ago, uh, if I remember correctly, it was Stadium Club. I think they inserted buybacks there as well. Now, if uh, 
anybody really follows what Topps has been doing as far as stamping the 65th anniversary uh, buybacks in different foil colors where like, you know, red might be uh, the easiest and, you know, blue's the next easiest and then copper, silver, and gold, gold being the toughest. And I think they mix those, uh, the rarities up as far as the colors go the next year whenever they stamped others that said rediscover tops on the side. But, uh, you know, you can have some commons that'll go for a good amount of money because people will say, oh, well, the, the blues or the golds or whatever are one of ones. Uh, or the blues, I think, in one year was like out of five or rumored to be out of five. So anyways, if, if uh, even if it's a rare card uh, or if it's a common card, if it's rare, people will want to buy it. So funny thing was it happened a couple of years ago, I believe, in Stadium Club, they did some buybacks. But it looks like perhaps... Uh, they forgot to stamp or brand the cards. So the buybacks would have been like a, you know, 93 Stadium Club, Ozzie Smith, or a 95 Stadium Club, Don Mattingly. Well, guess what? Problem is, when you don't have a stamp on one of those buybacks, that card is literally worth the value of the actual 93 Ozzie Smith or 95 Don Mattingly. Uh, without having anything done to it. So, like, they're basically common cards <laughs> because nobody's going to be able to trace back where they got them from. So, hope that answers your question. Um, and uh, hope that adds a little more uh, uh, of a story as far as buybacks go um, for you. But tonight what I want to talk about is I want to talk about childhood memories that have to do with baseball cards. So, I wrote about this on Blowout and uh, I think Collector's Universe... Twitter and Facebook, if I remember correctly. So I'm going to talk to you right now, you personal, you personally um, that's listening to this right now. Uh, I want you to think about what your earliest childhood memories of collecting baseball cards are. Uh, for me, I remember for some reason, like uh, I was in the car with my dad. Uh, well, let me start even before that. I remember us uh, visiting a family out of town. It was 1987, so this is a couple years before I was actually collecting. And I think uh, cards were really kind of starting to uh, make their stride because the uh, <laughs> the wood grain borders of 87 tops were, were a really big deal. Uh, as you know, they still are, and uh, you know they're really cool cards, but mass-produced. But uh, anyway, so we were visiting a family out of town, and the family's son, his name is Charlie... He said, hey, I want to go to the baseball card shop. I had never heard of anything like this before. So, okay, well, uh, both of the families went. And uh, so we went up to this, this card shop. And I remember that it was something that I hadn't really seen before. Um, there were a bunch of glass cases with cards that were kind of staring back up at you. These pictures of men in uh, jerseys. And they had different prices on each one of them if you wanted to buy one of them, which seemed kind of strange to me also. But uh, uh, nevertheless, you, you also look back uh, to the wall and there were some uh, wax boxes where the lid was opened and tucked in the back of the packs. And you could purchase these packs one at a time for 50 cents uh, or something like that. Gotta be honest with you, I was like seven years old. I'm, <laughs> I'm making an educated guess on what they were. Maybe it was 40 cents or whatever, I don't know. But anyway, so uh, Charlie gets a pack of A7 Tops. And I ask my mom and dad, can I please get a pack of 
these baseball cards, I don't really know what they are. Okay, yeah, sure. So they get me a pack also. Uh, Charlie opens up his pack and uh, he gets a uh, the National League Rookie of the Year uh, Todd Worrell Rookie Cup card. And oh, he was so excited about that. Yeah, I got this. Well, I open up my pack and I get the American League Rookie of the Year, a guy named Jose Canseco. Well, Charlie seemed to not be as excited about his Todd Worrell anymore until it came to be, until it came to a point where he wanted to trade. And he wanted to trade really badly for some reason. And uh, he said, oh, come on, I'll trade you my Worrell for that Canseco or whatever his name was, I don't remember. But yeah, I'd like to trade you for it. And I don't know, I, I didn't know anything about either of these guys, like no clue whatsoever. But I could judge by his body language that probably would not be a good deal for me if I did the trade. So I held off in spite of a whole lot of peer pressure. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, again, I don't really care about these cards. So uh, we got home, I tossed the baseball cards in a drawer, didn't think about them until a couple of years later. Uh, not really sure why. Uh, not really sure why I, or how I got back into it in 1989, or actually got into it in 1989. Um, I do remember that my best friend at the time, his name is David. And uh, David uh, had received a bunch of uh, older cards from, I believe his uncle or a friend of the family's. And I remember there were some older cards like from the seventies. And that was a big deal to us. And I remember he had like a 71 Topps Bob Gibson and uh, some other ones that were just really kind of beat to death. And it's almost like he didn't care about him. His big, his big uh, player was Oral Hershiser. He loved Oral Hershiser. And so uh, we had everything, all the odds stacked against us for being friends because uh, we were supposed to be mortal enemies. <laughs> uh, him being a Dodger guy and me being an A's guy. So anyway... Um, Ultimately, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's kind of how it went down. I uh, I ended up being a big fan of Canseco and the A's. It was 1989. I uh, didn't know what had happened at that point, to be completely honest with you, in 1988. I didn't know about the 40-40 season. Uh, I wasn't around uh, or paying attention at that point. I didn't even know what a 40-40 season was. I just knew that Canseco was fun to watch. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, it's kind of a kind of a strange deal, and I, I remember hearing about the the Kurt Gibson home run in the World Series, and how that was a big deal off of one of my other heroes, Dennis Eckersley, and that was a you know tough pill to swallow. So <laughs> it was kind of a kind of a bummer uh, to hear about these things that happened. But uh, you know, when I was really into it, 1989, super excited. Uh, A's obviously won the World Series against the Giants. And uh, interestingly enough, I, uh, um, I'm uh, Facebook friends with, uh, I think it's Bill Bave, who uh, hit a home run in the 89 World Series for the Giants. So, uh, and he seems like a great guy. Like, based on my limited interactions with him, he sounds like a really great guy. So it was kind of fun to be able to get to know him a little bit. But uh, anyway, so moving forward, um, I do remember, because... Uh, uh, my mom and David's mom took turns homeschooling us uh, when we were eight, nine years old. And so we decided to play the card flip game. I remember he had 
a pile of his or his entire Oral Hershiser uh, collection, and I had my entire Jose Canseco collection. I mean, gosh, y'all don't understand. Like to us, these are this is like big money. But I mean, you know, honestly, you're probably uh, the stacks were probably worth two dollars, you know? <laughs> especially not to mention the condition because we weren't really big into keeping everything mint, uh, you know, back then. But uh, anyway, so we decided to play the card flip game. I'm not really sure if that's the right term for it or not, but uh, what that game is is, is you put uh, you have a stack of baseball cards and you walk over to a wall, you put one of the cards on the wall, uh, like you, you uh, pin it up from between the wall and your thumb and then you let go. Now when you let go, the card will typically flutter down uh, to the ground and it'll land face down, face up. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It'll, it'll just basically go in an unpredictable uh, spot each time. So after you do that, the next person uh, does the same thing. Now if their card uh, lands on your card, then they win both the cards. Now if you go, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and nobody touches any card, uh, nobody's card touches any other cards, then, uh, you know, and then it's your turn, and you do the card flipping thing yourself, and yours touches one of them, then all the cards on the ground are yours. So, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I was able to uh, win, and I won his entire Oral Hershiser collection. I thought that was really nice payback for what his Dodgers did to my A's in the 88 World Series. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, my mom didn't think so. So David, as the rest of the story goes, David started bawling his eyes out because he lost his prize uh, uh, collection, the most, the thing that he uh, loved most in the world. Uh, my mom heard, comes in. What happened? Tanner, you give those cards back. No, oh, but mom, I won them fair and square. I don't care. You give them back to David now. So, okay. Yeah, I didn't want Oral Hershiser cards anyway. <laughs> so, uh, it's kind of, kind of funny, kind of a funny memory. Uh, but uh, I do remember also my first uh, wax box. And, uh, you know, so this is kind of fun. Um, I remember uh, my mom and dad were actually looking for a house. Uh, to buy in Fresno and this was uh, back in 1989 and up to that point we had lived in you know various places but mainly rent uh, rental houses and uh, it's kind of an exciting time for for all of us to be in uh, for you know me to see uh, my mom and dad to become homeowners and all this I, I didn't know what that meant back then as a nine-year-old I just remembered that they were excited about it so I remember uh, us coming back from a baseball card shop, and I think it was just me and my dad. I remember being in the passenger seat and me having a box of 1989 tops on my lap, along with uh, I think probably about five packs of Eight Men Out. And so, if, for those of you that don't really know what Eight Men Out is, uh, it's a it's a uh, movie about the 1919 Chicago Black Sox. Uh, well, White Sox, but the Black Sox scandal, if that makes sense. Uh, I remember seeing that movie and being like wildly bored as a kid uh, about that movie, but I remember loving Field of Dreams. Um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, I you know back back to my story. It was Saturday morning. Uh, it's 
box of 89 tops in my lap along with these packs of 8 men out. I remember not really caring for the, the cards that were in 8 men out also. There's like pictures of uh, the actors that were dressed up as baseball players and you know, had kind of a maroon border and you know, it wasn't really appealing to me. 89 tops on the other hand, man, I love that. It was great. Uh, I remember just how excited I was sitting there, you know, in, in the car, not being able to wait to get home to, to rip through it. And I remember going to our kitchen table with the box and my uncle Jeff coming over and, and sitting there while I was opening them and, uh, you know, pulling some of these guys like Greg Jeffries and Gary Sheffield Future Stars cards. I remember just the graphics popping and how much I loved them, like loved everything about them. And I think that really kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, fueled the fire for me really wanting to get into this hobby. And I mean, it's kind of funny because I'm 39 years old now. You know, this is like literally 30 years ago. And here I am walking around my neighborhood uh, talking about these memories as a nine-year-old, uh, like a lunatic, uh, into my phone here <laughs> in hopes of other people listening to it. <laughs> kind, of, kind of a funny thing how, uh, how life works sometimes. But uh, I just have so many of these memories uh, when I was a kid. I mean, I also remember uh, um, the Mother's Cookies cards like I talked about in my other podcast a few nights ago. Um, and one of the things I posted online, by the way, recently was uh, how they had uh, on the backs of the Mother's Cookies cards, they had like uh, a word at the bottom that said autograph and a line. It was like they expected you to have the baseball player sign the back of the card. I always thought that was kind of strange. Why would you want the signature on the back? So I asked people on Twitter the other day, and sure enough, there are some people that literally have some of these cards with the signature on the back. And uh, it's kind of cool. I don't know. I, I like it. I like the... Uh, the thought behind it and you know just uh that there are some actually out there that have the autographs on the back like mother's cookies had uh, had intended uh i have one single solitary signed uh mother's cookies card it's uh, uh bash brothers one and it's signed by both kinseko mcguire uh, i've talked about this at length before but obviously uh, mcguire will uh not touch anything signed by kinseko with a 30-foot pole uh, because of the book and all that stuff um, so it's kind of a fun kind of a fun card to have in in that respect but you know mother's cookies cards uh you know by the way just i mean incredibly beautiful so you know, it's kind of a fun card to have but um you know just uh yeah i remember also uh there was uh this uh what was it like a, a water park or something where there was this uh, little vending machine that had some baseball cards that you put like a quarter in or something like that and you turn the little knob and then like five cards pop out and uh i gotta tell you like this is how much i loved them so much like i don't remember much about anything about the uh the water park itself but i know what i got in the baseball card vending machine i remember one of the cards was uh player of the of the new york mets uh standing very proudly posing for the baseball card uh it's a 1987 fleer card and it was of kevin mitchell and uh i think the card might have been booking for seven or eight bucks at that point and uh i just thought that was the coolest thing and yeah it had a dinged corner because it came out of the vending machine but i didn't care i just remembered how much i love that card <laughs> and uh you know 87 fleer by the way back then was like crazy hot 
um, everybody loved 87 Fleer and, you know, gosh, I still love 87 Fleer. And, uh, you know, that kind of uh, gives me a rabbit trail to talk off of uh, uh, with my dad. I remember me and dad going to uh, uh, a baseball card shop of uh, um, a church friend. Church friend actually owned uh, a shop and his name is Ronnie. And I'm actually uh, Facebook friends with uh, his daughter as I was, or uh, I'm sorry, his, uh, his niece. Uh, I'm actually who I was uh, friends with back then as well. Uh, her name's Brandy. So hi, Brandy, if you're listening. Don't know why you would be listening because I don't think you give a rip about baseball cards. But anyways, uh, <laughs> so I remember my dad and, and me going to the uh, Ronnie's shop and, uh, and uh, you know, the high rollers over there, they, uh, uh, they would purchase a pack of cards and they would open it up in front of everybody and, uh, you know, flip the... Uh, uh, or place all of the cards from the pack uh, down uh, on the display case to show what everybody else got. And uh, so my dad decided to try it with not just the 50 cent packs, but he decided to go big and he got the 87 Fleer cards. Probably going to die of chemical inhalation now because one of those uh, uh, bug trucks drove by uh, with their machine with all the chemicals spewing out of them <laughs> so uh anyway uh yeah so uh dad ends up picking up the uh a pack of 1987 fleer and it was like seven dollars and i distinctly remember you know mom probably should not know about this <laughs> so he uh he gets it and i'm just kind of standing there wide-eyed like you know what's going on here what's going to happen and uh so he opens up the pack and, you know, he puts one down, like, uh, I don't even remember the, <laughs> the cards. I just remember there was absolutely nothing that was valuable. Like the most valuable card is probably the sticker uh, that came in the pack. And just me feeling like, oh man, that sucks. That's horrible. And, uh, I think that might be in his genes. It might've been passed down to me because Y'all, I, I do terribly when it comes to opening packs. Like, I never really get anything good. But then again, I hardly ever uh, open anything. So uh, there's probably, I'd probably say that the reason why a lot of people pull some great things is because they open packs all the time. So maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I truly really think it's the luck of the draw, but it was kind of a, it's, it's a memory that uh, maybe somehow psychologically has uh, kind of kept me from opening a lot of product. But nevertheless it's a fun memory and uh yeah because like I, I would rather that memory than not one at all uh when it comes to uh my dad with baseball cards so uh he was he was a really good guy and uh yeah we we loved him so much but uh he really is kind of funny because um, he was into baseball cards as well come to find out from my mom later that he didn't even really like baseball uh, he was just in it because of me so it's kind of a kind of a neat thing how the hobby brought us together um, in that respect. So pretty neat. I could probably go on for like hours and hours just uh, alone by uh, um, recounting these stories of baseball cards and what they had to do uh, with my childhood. Like almost all of my memories that I remember uh, uh, from my childhood. Uh, they're wrapped up or attached somehow to baseball cards. And I have a feeling, a very strong feeling, that 
without those cards having been my life, I probably wouldn't have nearly as many of these memories from my childhood as I do, which, you know, I've had some uh, rough times uh, in my childhood. So, uh, you know, baseball cards were a really good thing for me. But um, I will wrap up with one more story, which is kind of fun. Uh, I remember in school, I went to various schools because we moved around a lot, but uh, I was uh, homeschooled for a while and I wasn't, and that was an on and off thing up until junior high. But uh, I remember, uh, for the most part, I was not what you would consider to be a stellar student. <laughs> Definitely not A's and B's, that's for darn sure, but I was uh, more of a, a D student. And uh, uh, <laughs> until my mom, dad, my mom and dad said, hey, Tanner, tell you what, we will, uh, we will give you $10 every A that you make on your report card. And... I knew there were eight classes, so immediately my uh, uh, brain went to work with the math, and I go, man, that's going to be $80 a semester. That is a lot of wax packs. Like, heck yes. Yeah. So guess who became a straight-A student, like, from the very night that they uh, gave me that offer? Well, <laughs> this guy right here did, and I'll tell you what, I was driven more than anything to be, like, the best to make sure that I could get all A's. They said that I could get A's uh, or 10 bucks for, a, for an A and five for a B. And I remember I got straight A's that semester and the next semester uh, I got all A's except for one B. So I think I ended up making 75 bucks for that one. And then they realized, uh-oh, this could get real expensive real quick. So we will probably not have to uh, We'll probably have to pull the plug on that one <laughs> so they did but in any event um, it was fun because I remember the first time that I had $80 as like a 10 year old burning a hole in my pocket and I remember going to the bullpen in Fresno uh, Mike the baseball card dealer he was my hero like I love seeing him like the only thing that I wanted in life really was for him to be able to know my name <laughs> like it was uh it was kind of funny but uh anyway so i come in with like just uh you know a bunch of cash in my pocket and uh i'm like a kid at christmas i mean just uh hey i'll take uh you know two packs of 82 fleer three packs of 89 upper deck um you know 12 packs of 88 score because they're cheaper and and, and i had the shopping list y'all like down like I had been thinking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks like to the penny to make sure that I got the perfect mix and match of wax packs you know uh, 588 Fleer 487 Donruss um, you know even some uh, you know 83 Donruss I mean like it was just uh, it was fun and I remember these packs going into this like long slim uh, transparent bag and it was almost like it almost seemed like maybe two feet worth of packs stacked on top of each other and I just remember being like mega excited about it and Mike saying wow this must be like Christmas and just my eyes lighting up and going oh heck yeah this is going to be awesome and so I came home and I wasn't wanting necessarily to uh, rip into them right away as a matter of fact I 
put them in a drawer that I, opened, that I emptied out and I just, uh, uh, you know, kind of dumped all the packs in there. So that way I can open up the drawer every now and then and just take a look at the beautiful array of uh, wax packs until the time was right <laughs> for me to open them up. And I don't know, uh, as a 10 year old back then, I don't know what uh, time I had determined that to be, but, uh, but man, it was, uh, it was fun. It was like it was like I had this like joy that was locked up in a drawer uh, that I could look at any time, and all oh, the wonders of what could be in there. Could there be an H. E. Fleer, Cal Ripken Jr. Me thinking, holy cow, am I the owner possibly of an H. E. Fleer Cal Ripken Jr. rookie? Um, what about an A9 Upper Deck Griffey? Is it possible? I mean, or oh my gosh, what if there's a you know A6 Fleer uh, Andres Calaraga? I mean, you know, so these are the these were the thoughts that were running through my head. Like A7 Donner straight rookies. What if there's a you know McGuire or a Bo Jackson? I mean, oh man, the possibilities are endless. Like this could be uh, this could be like a game changer. This could be life changing. <laughs> Offer eighty dollars worth of uh, wax packs for a ten year old. But um, so ultimately, I do remember uh, um, settling on actually opening them and. Uh, I took all of them out and I put them in, in uh, stacks where I could uh, carry them by hand uh, out to the coffee table in the living room. And uh, I'm sure I had my Beckett magazine open, ready and waiting uh, to see if I struck it big, see if I uh, had any, had struck any gold. And uh, one pack at a time, I remember uh, not finding anything. like. Literally, it seemed like there was nothing uh, of any value whatsoever. So I was basically left with like piles and piles of, for the most part, commons from the 80s. But you got to remember, commons from the 80s for a 10-year-old boy uh, back then is much bigger deal than it would be now. I mean, the very thought of having... Uh, some 89 upper deck, even if it was like Harold Reynolds or uh, Barry Larkin or, you know, any of these guys, like it was, it was a big deal. Mike Scott, I mean, you know, like all these guys that um, that were in 89 upper deck or even just like, uh, you know, a stack of 30, 82 Donruss or 82 Fleer. I mean, that was, that was, that was a bigger deal by far than it would be now because, you know, let's face it, a lot of people are not opposed to setting those cards on fire uh, nowadays, let alone, um, you know, keeping them or, you know, being excited over them. So, uh, you know, and who knows, maybe there were a few minor cards in there, but I am here to tell you right now that the thing that really kind of uh, stuck out to me all these decades later was not the, you know, the Ken Obergfell. A7 tops I might have pulled, or you know the A9 Fleer Raphael Palmero. Um, none of that really, uh, really did anything for me. The things I remember were uh, actually picking out the packs, uh, buying the packs, having the packs, and being excited about opening the packs. So it was like the thrill of anticipation is kind of what trumped what guy what, what I got out of them. So even if I did pull the A7 Donner Stray Rookies, Bo Jackson, um, it wouldn't have, uh, it still probably would have killed in comparison to 
the memories I have for actually uh, purchasing the packs and, and anticipating opening them. So uh, it's kind of fun. I think that's a, that's a very interesting narrative um, on uh, wax packs in general. And not just for a 10-year-old boy in 1990, but you know, even a 39-year-old man in, in uh, 2019. So uh, it's always fun. We're always on this hunt, right? We're always on a, the lookout for, for a new treasure for our collection, be it uh, wrapped in, uh, in a pack or a box or, or just uh, sitting there as a single on eBay. So it's, uh, it's fun. It's, uh, it's interesting, the, the, the cliche that goes, uh, the more things are different, the more they uh, are the same. I mean, man, that kind of hits home right now with me, just thinking about this. So anyways, uh, I'll go ahead and wrap up there. Uh, you know, like I said, I could talk forever, but we're hitting a little after, uh, a, little after a half hour. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening again. And, uh, you know, hope this is... I uh, hope this kind of uh, brings back some fun memories for you. I would love to hear your memories as well, by the way. So you can uh, tweet me at TamManBBFan or email me, TamManBaseballFan at gmail.com. Uh, please, I would certainly appreciate if you uh, uh, like this podcast, you subscribe and, and share it with your friends. Um, that would mean the world to me. So uh, thank you guys again. Uh, uh, hopefully uh, in the next uh Several days I'll have a guest or two, so um, we can have uh, uh, you know fun little dynamic going back and forth with a couple people. So, uh, anyways, with that said, uh, yeah, hope everybody has a great night out there. Take care.